Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host, Christopher Gallagher, and today is Thursday, the 3rd of November 2022. This is our third attempt at recording the intro, so just ha- we're having a bit of fun. Uh, Christopher Samani's here. Hello, Christopher. How are you? Uh, I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me this evening. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we were laughing at before. Uh, we're also joined by Alan Edgar. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Keep it nice and sharp so you don't uh, get involved. I've no, lost the power to say hello. Yes, we we uh, we've been uh, we've been. This is our third attempt at recording this for a number of funny reasons. Uh, but we're going to focus on Celtic this week. Uh, Real Madrid game. We've got listener questions. Um, uh, we've got Dundee United at the weekend as well. Uh, how are you feeling, Chris Sermani? Champions League is over. I'm glad it's over. I mean. The game from last night was one I just wanted to get past. Um, I'm sure we'll come into it a wee bit more. I think there's a section of the support that are fairly satisfied with the campaign. I wouldn't count myself on that group. Um, yeah, I, I'm, it was it's great being there. It's it really is the only show in town when it comes to European football. I think that's abundantly clear. Yeah, in terms of the quality, but for me, it's not particularly fun just making the numbers up and things like that. I mean, we'll come into it a wee bit more because that might sound a bit harsh. I'm feeling okay. You know, it's one of those ones where, you, you know, there's results you get that have you down for days. Well, I'm, nothing like that for me or anything like that. I'm pretty much over it. But the, the the whole Champions League experience was a wee bit bittersweet. But, you know, it's a bit building and hopefully we do the business domestically so we're back there next season. Alan, how are you feeling yourself? Yeah, pretty disappointing. I think overall and... Um, if that if it is an outlier and this is the start of hopefully many years where we do make the group stages and hopefully it will be a lot better than this time um, and I'm happy to you know work in that basis but it's been pretty disappointing I don't think you could look at it any other way there's a lot to take from it there's also a lot of lessons to take from it as well um, in terms of negatives so last night was always going to be difficult we talked about that last week I think I had said last week I was actually you know looking forward to it in a way. Not so much. Um, did not shake out that way. Did um, not shake out that <laughs> no, way. No, <laughs> the it was a difficult night, and obviously a bit of a hiding in the end. But yeah, there's there's a lot to learn from it. As long as we are looking at it, and you know, Ange Postecoglou and the the way we play football, hopefully that's there for the next three four years, and that includes group stage football because I'd certainly like another bite at it with with this group of players and this manager. Yeah. Um, you see, with all the results with Scottish teams in general, um, we I spoke to. Uh, why are you not shaking your head at? I just I don't like talking about Celtic in context with other teams in Scotland. I just mean like um, it's been a fucking bastardy uh, uh, campaign, really. Just more, more miles off it, essentially. Yeah, we I'm, we as in Scottish know, football. Or no, 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 no. Like so, so Celtic. I think. Well, I think we are quite far off at Celtic. It's not to say that we can't bridge that gap, of course. And this is our first. This is absolutely. Hopefully the building blocks is something. So Celtic are, are very different. So yeah, okay. Do you know what, Alan, when you say that, I, I get your point, right? But Scottish football, in regards to the rest of the teams, are so fucking far off it. I mean, Hearts are miles away from conference football. Mm. It just It's just a bit, it's a bit sobering sometimes. Dundee United getting absolutely walloped by AZ Alkmaar. Sometimes when I think about uh, trying to sign players and they look at the standard of the league... I'm, I don't know if they would look through the European results or whatever, right? But you know, it doesn't particularly help. I think. I think what it does is it takes you out of the 
small football environment that we do operate in and we largely succeed in. Um, and for six match days over what has been a really short period of time, you're talking about yeah. six match days over 13 weeks yeah. or something, um, it then puts into context that domestic dominance is a long, long way away from um, European competing in Europe even. Um, and I think that that is quite sobering. So I think you're right in that aspect. As for other teams, that's that's their problem. They, you know... I, Don't give a fuck. Much I. I was about to say I haven't watched any of their games, but I would be lying I've watched a few. <laughs> been some of my, my favourite European nights of the year, to be honest. But um, that's that's just the reality of it. Um, but I think for, for us, it's, it is different. We do have a young squad that are hopefully going to improve. And um, yeah, I, th- I think there's... You, you, you have to look at it and take the positives because there's no other alternative. It's not a scenario we're in where you look at it and say it's no good enough sack the manager. That would just be the most oh, ludicrous thing you could imagine. So you've got to stick with it and say, look, it's not good enough. There's a middle ground, I think, between a lot of the opinions I've seen where people are saying, how can you not be happy with it? And actually we're improving. And there's another, there's a middle ground to be had between that because we didn't win a single game mm. and also the other side, which is, you know, that's... Can, the, the complete polar opposites as ever they're kind of I think most people's opinions probably somewhere in the middle so yeah take the positives from it and try and as far as possible look at it in context and say have another bite at it next year and hope you get a wee bit of luck yeah. um, because I think the group could could be a little bit different <coughs> sorry Cass you can you, you will be able to look in hindsight fairly soon so say assuming let's assume that we continue our domestic form and we win the league and you're coming up to the end of the season and you're starting to think about going back in, you will look upon it in hindsight and take some of the good points from it. But I don't want to do that just now. I mean, some folk, there's an emotion involved in being a football fan and see trying to be rational about the good points and ignore a lot of the mediocrity and bad points. Just a time for that later. Fundamentally, just now, we went into the Champions League, we... Really, I mean, we came out with two points and for me that's not good enough given what happened, given the opposition and given other things. But, you know, as I said, once the emotions died down, you will be able to take things from it, but only as building blocks for next season potentially. Not not in terms of, you know, so what I'm, I'm looking for, like retrospectively kind of making this campaign something better than it was because yeah. fundamentally results are what matter and they were not good enough. I, I, we'll start talking about the game in a second, but do you think the oh good? <laughs> Sorry, I've been. So... I know it's always after the defeat. I'm nippy. I apologise. Yeah, I'm trying to work. It on was it. him last week. I, I'm not trying to week. work on it at all. Actually, yeah. like, I, I it's normally me. So it's your turn. I'll take the shift. Um, do you think fandoms changed? Celtics, Celtic fandom specifically. I think. Um, I think how I support the team is maybe different to how maybe younger fans support the team. I don't know. I'm just, there's such, such binary point of view, isn't it? Points of view now, I think that, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe not, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just, that's a, a Chris problem. I don't know, but. I don't know. I think when it comes to Twitter, you've got, that's new in the grand scheme of things in terms of how long we've supported Celtic. Now you just get a lot of opinions smacked into your face, scrolling down in a feed, you know, yeah, yeah. that, that might have existed everywhere. And certainly over the years, I've talked to um, fans who've went, yeah, what are you going to do when it comes to European performances and things like that? Um, and it, it irks me to an extent. I've always said, you, 
I'm a realist as well, but that's not going to change the way that I think. And I also think the minute that you start to lower your expectations, something I've said for a number of years in this podcast, the club becomes smaller if the supporter base lowers their expectations. See, even if those expectations are entirely unrealistic, I don't care. I don't care. If you have them, I think the mentality kind of flows through the club. And as much as somebody will tell you you're not being rational or whatever, so what? I'm a Celtic fan. I want to think rationally or otherwise that we can win the Champions League. I know that we're probably not going to, but I don't want to... I think the minute you dial back from that, you just end up becoming a smaller club. Start making excuses and things. Alan, you get thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely the guiding principle of sport. That's why you watch it. That's why you play it. That's... If you don't believe in that, then, you know, it's probably not for you, competitive sport. So, no, and I think, to be honest, that's exactly what the manager um, said earlier in the season as well. It's, it's he, he'll, like you said there, understand the reality of it, and he'll understand the reality of it now more than ever. But the point is, and I think the, the way he sets his team out of that is because it's to go out and say, like, you might win. And that's... That's the point. So if ever there's a time to believe in it and buy into it, it's now. And I think the point you made that I really did agree with a lot is that there, there is an emotion involved in it. Mm. If you're sitting watching us get spanked last night off Real Madrid and just sitting thinking they're just too good and, you know, quite comfortable with it, I, I just don't get how. I, I, it's just my own opinion. I'm not saying you need to be, you know, battering chairs at pub windows or, or whatever. <laughs> is that what, is that what you were up to yesterday? Eh? No, no. Um, <laughs> That's what but, he's up for tomorrow. <laughs> but it is hard to watch because yeah. it's hard to watch your team, you know, getting picked apart by what is undeniably a better team. That's just difficult. At two days later, three days later, you look at it and go, ah, well, you know, maybe it's a bit much. But yeah. at, at the time, it's horrible. It's like, it's not nice. See the the point about it as well. See if you asked me yesterday before the game, I would go. We could be on to a doing here, you know. Or I would take, you know, a, a, a not embarrassing defeat. Do you know what I mean? That's me looking rationally at the situation with the players out. We're in the Bernabeu. They have something to play for. We don't, and all the players. But that doesn't mean that what I predict rationally before the game, I think, might happen. You know, I'm not going to react to what actually yeah, happens. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. there is a rationality involved in it in terms of what you do. But I will never, ever, ever sit and watch Celtic get beat 5-1 and go, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I was, uh, uh, there was points where I was just traipsing up and down my, in front of the television, just biting my, my, my knuckle because I was just, it was yeah. the 70th minute and we're 5-0 down. And it's just, but at the same time, when, you know, Kyogo has that chance and, and, he, and he doesn't take it after some really, really nice play, you know, if we equalise there, or yeah, equalise two one. Don't you're starting to dream big here, Chris. <laughs> well, that's it, you know, that's... Did we not just tell you that um, you'll never make it and don't dream big and I don't know whatever other things you say in that scenario? Sorry, Alan. Um, but the game itself, um, it finished five one. It was the last game of the campaign. Campaign's put to bed now. We can, I'm sure, we can kind of take, as you said, Alan. We can take positives. We can take negatives. Um, what did you make of the game overall, Chris? Um, I, I, for me, it was there was elements of that at the game last night that we'd seen in a lot of the games in the group. So we didn't learn anything new. What we learned last night is that we are more than capable of working ourselves into good positions and creating chances at this level. But the way that we play, in order for us to do that, leaves us highly exposed, uh, especially on the break. 
and we'll be punished um, for that by quality teams. And that's what happened last night. Now, I also think Madrid probably never really got through the gears either, to be honest. That's what was more disappointing than anything for me last night. I don't think they really needed to work for it. It wasn't a scintillating performance that we pushed them into. In the first game against them, and I know it's home and away, so that's obviously different, they worked for their win. The win that they got 3-0 was comfortable in the end. end but we all walked away from that and said we made them work. I think after that first half they went, we need to look at this and, you know, obviously we tired and they capitalised. The circumstances were completely different for this game as well, but... You know, for me, it, it was fairly straightforward for them. I know it was a dead rubber. What we've seen, generally speaking, was, yes, we are capable of fleeting moments of quality, but we're also not able to do, put that together consistently, and we are susceptible, obviously, to, you know, um, being caught short in terms of the way that we, 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 we go forward and attack. Again, as I said, you know, it's not one of those ones that's going to take you a long time to get over, but I'm not going to... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say it was great because I don't think it was. You know, some some folk who are saying that they were fairly happy with it or they were proud or anything like that. I don't agree. I can't agree. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to criticise some people if they think that really, but I, I can't agree with that. Alan, what's your kind of general thoughts on the game? We can talk about details, but your general thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with the point that I do feel like you were watching a Madrid team that when they go when they're gifted two goals, which they were. Uh, or gifted two opportunities um, with the two penalties. Mm. It did feel like it was. It felt like the whole game was more like the last twenty minutes at Celtic Park yeah. than yeah. the first seventy or the first sixty-five, whatever. At whatever point they scored, the the opening goal at Celtic Park changed the game because we had run a race, and unfortunately, then they were able to. It, it, it was like you know busting a balloon. Last night that happened, but it happened within well five minutes. And I think that then changes the nature of it. They know they're in a good position. And I think the the, the big criticism, and it will hang over for the next 10 months potentially until we make the Champions League again, is that I think there is a confidence amongst probably all of the teams we played in Europe this year. There's a confidence that they will create big opportunities against us. And Real Madrid certainly would be able to. I think that's the slight worry that teams neutrals might like watching it because it's entertaining what, mm. what teams generally go to the Bernabeu and play the way we did and that's good I think there is there is something commendable about that but also teams will look at it as well and say we'll take that that'll do us nicely mm. um, so how do you, how do you <clears throat> isn't that just par for the course with how we play like we're going to give up opportunities I think when you're playing against good teams like that then you will give up opportunities. Um, you know, you look at it in the first game, I think the first 70 minutes we did compete for a long time. Um, I think the defensive changes don't help, but I think there is always, when you press like that and you press the way we do, as high up the park as we do, you will always allow creative players space. Um, and when that happens, they, they will make things happen. They might score good goals, they might not. They might have an off night. The fundamental difference between this and, say, the approach that we've taken under Neil Lennon, for example, which a lot of people talk about, or maybe a better example is Gordon Strachan, Strachan, is that it was horrible to watch, but you might get that one big result. To be entirely honest, it doesn't feel like the football's entirely different. It's more entertaining. It does feel like it's we're about as close to getting one big result as we 
were undergone Strachan. Entirely different ways of playing football, but it feels like we're, we're quite a bit off that big night, that big moment. Um, and it is fine margins, you know. You, if you had got the opening goal against Madrid, Madrid at Celtic Park, you might have had one that Man United 2007 night, but you didn't. Um, and, it, you know, when you look at it and you come away from it, it does look pretty bare and it looks pretty grim. And I think I'm, I'm a wee bit more positive than maybe some people about it. But I think if you look at it and you be honest and you try and be critical and you try and not just say, I love this team, I love this manager, because I do. If you look at it from a distance when you think about it, that it's a vastly different way of playing football, but also the gap is still huge between us and other sides and the system isn't going to be able to bridge that. Um, but hopefully you get a bit more luck next year, you get a bigger result, it makes it worthwhile. But I think it's what it highlights is, is that you can come in with whatever way of playing football you like, whether it's sitting 11 in front and you'll have a slightly less chance of winning, but you might get something because you don't concede goals as well. So it's you can play football however you like. When you play against good teams like this, it's going to be extremely difficult to get anything. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough reality, I suppose. Yeah, Chris, sorry. For me, though, uh, the one thing that I'm, I'll say now um, would be... Uh, I like the fact that we're trying to play football this way. I do. I, I want us to continue doing that. I've not come away and said, I wish we had played a more defensive style. Yes, we've talked in the past about pragmatism and tweaking the system and, you know, not giving up the principles of the attacking football that we play. You know, that's all possible. But reverting or converting to striking style team or a Lennon style team, you know, let's take the Barcelona 2-1-1 under Lennon. What a phenomenal result, but do you know what I mean? You, you, that's you remember the free kick. You don't remember the actual game. Yeah, you you, you remember what's goal, and you're thinking that that's phenomenal, and that's what. But if you go back and watch that game, you just watch an yeah. unbelievable onslaught, and probably out of ten games, you know you lose most of them playing that way. So you might get those results, but you imagine you got a result playing like this against a decent team where everything clicked and we took all our chances, you know. The way that we play, there's a possibility that you give somebody a proper spanking playing football. Now, that, that that's possible. For me, that's something that would be really good. Um, oh, that's a bit obvious, isn't it? It would be... <laughs> I too would enjoy that. <laughs> it would, sorry. It would be a, more of an achievement, perhaps, in the traditional footballing sense. We talk yeah. about playing football the Glasgow Celtic way. That would be more like it because... We got that result against Barcelona, and don't get me wrong, I, I loved it as much as everybody. Can't say that we won it. You know, we sing about playing football the Glasgow Celtic way. That really wasn't it. So, I like that we're trying to do this. He's going to need to get better at it. You know, the team better at it in terms of you're going to always give up chances, but you don't need to give up the chances that we do. We'll probably come and talk about the penalty, the two of them. Sorry, the first one. Right. Anyway, I'm starting to think about it. <laughs> Starting to get angry. The point being is, watch that chair, Alan. I'm happy with the system that he's using and the approach that we've got to the game, but we need to fit that. You know, it needs to get better. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, and and I think you know, I, I like that. That's the way we play football. I like that we are trying it differently because you know what? We have tried it the other way. We've done it the other way for a long time. That's what got us here. If you did try and sit in with this team last night, I think you'd probably get beat. Yeah. The same, if not more, maybe a wee bit less, but you'd still get beat. I think the reason and the real, I think the, the manager wouldn't say it directly to the players because it's it doesn't need to be said. It's one of those things. The reason you do it home and away against Real Madrid isn't because you think 
we're better than them, this is the road to beat them. You might compete and you might get that, but the reason you do it is so that even you then play those pot two and those pot three teams, that you know that's how we play. And if we can do it against them and you don't get, you know, you don't get mauled, you competed well at Celtic Park, you can create chances. It means then against those pot two and three teams, you think, well, that's the bar and we've competed there. So we can definitely do it now against them. I think that's that's what you're trying to that's what you're trying to instill into the players, that belief. And that does take sometimes quite a long time to come. But if you can do that, there's no fear then. So you don't go into these games thinking we're scared because that then is brings an emotion into football that's very, very dangerous. Mm. So I think that's that's why you do it. And it is difficult. I don't doubt for a second that Ange Postico was probably standing in the touchline last night and at four nothing when we were uh, you know, sending a ball up the park straight away, he, he would have been thinking, please don't turn the ball over because I, I don't want this to be a 6-7-1 because it is difficult and players will doubt it. But if you go and you do it, you know, if you then get those pot two or three teams, you can do it. And then that's when you might get that victory that, you know, Samani's talking about playing football that, you know, people all over Europe would enjoy watching. So it didn't happen this year. And I think that's what's very difficult, to be honest. I think that's why yeah. if you'd have got the win, I think we'd be, talking very differently I think the frustration and the slight lingering worry is that over two games against the weakest team in the group you couldn't quite get it over the line and that's the slight thing that's maybe just it's the niggle if you like as, as, aside from actually changing the dynamics of the group that's the slight niggle that you couldn't quite get it over the line yeah. against them yeah. I, I, I'm, overall I said it last week the worst of the lot for me was Shakhtar at home I think there was a platform there to stamp down what their vision is, if you know what I mean. If we had went there, I think if we had performed with the intensity that we did in the first, keep talking about the first half against Real Madrid, if we'd played with that intensity against Shakhtar, I think we would have beat them. Um, and I know that's dead simple to kind of extrapolate one half of one performance and put it in. But for me, there was a platform there. We should have beat them away, got a home game against the perceived, well, the third, I was going to say the perceived weakest team, the, the, the third weakest team in the group, quite clearly now, but a team that we should be beating, and if we'd went out there, stuck three goals past them or something, you know, with the chances that we had, we could have did that. If we'd stuck three goals past them, um, that you're exactly right. This whole thing conversation would be different. We would be pointing at that game and saying, "Look, that's what the blueprint is. That's what we're capable of." It just never happened, though. It never came close to happening. It was just a wee bit of a damp squad. See the um, what you say there about the the first, let's say. 60 minutes against Real Madrid, even just the first half. That's the blueprint. Glorious. <laughs> but that is like the blueprint. I don't think we ever did that again. And I I wonder why. That's because, and is it just a case of it was the um, the occasion, it was the opponent, it was everything came together and, you know, it was just an, an amazing, you know, Callum McGregor hits the inside of the post, you know, like lots of wee kind of what ifs. But we played really, really well. We made them, as you say, we made them have to rethink. These are this is the European champions. I just don't think we ever did that again, like in any of the other games. And that's that's when I'm scratching my head a little bit, thinking, can we only? Is he only going to be able to get us up for those big games? Is that is that hard? Maybe that's harsh. I don't know. But like, I just don't know why we couldn't have had that intensity, even for a short. I didn't see that in, that in any of the games. No, I, I don't think you've seen that <clears throat> that energy that we played with, intensity, whatever you know, expression you want to use. I don't think you've seen that again. And I think that's my disappointment. Yeah, I think it's reasonable, particularly in the home games. 
because that's what you need to do. I think Leipzig at home, I think we were we were good, a little wasteful, but you didn't have that same. And I think we, when we talk about the Madrid game, we were good with the ball. I think where we were really encouraged though was off the ball yeah. because it did look like everyone really knew that they had where they had to be and there wasn't anyone wasting. I, I don't feel like at Madrid at home that you've seen anyone kind of gesturing, you know, running towards the goalkeeper, but really knowing I'm probably not getting there, but I kind of need to do it because if I don't, then the manager will get me into trouble. Whereas <laughs> you did see that in a lot of other games where it's kind of like... I'll do this for the sake of like... I'll go and press him, but I know I'm not getting it. And yeah. I'm just going to start running back. As soon as he starts swinging a leg, I'll run back. Whereas Madrid at home, it genuinely felt like the striker went to press the goalkeeper, knowing fine well that either Hatate or O'Reilly would have been there right to back him up. So the goalkeeper either goes long or he goes short to the centre-half. As soon as he goes to the centre-half, then I know, well, he's in bother, and then I get myself back in. It did feel like the Leipzig and the Shakhtar games that we were just a wee bit... The intensity probably wasn't there. I think the way games are different because teams are... The onus isn't quite on you the same. It's a different dynamic, but... I think you can compare home games to home games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and certainly I don't feel like it was. And that translates through to so many other things like the crowd. And, you know, I, I'm not, a, I know we talked about it maybe after the Leipzig home game. Mm. For me, the crowd has changed. That's fine. But it, it shouldn't affect the players in the sense that at the start of a game, you go out there with your game plan to execute it. And obviously if the crowd gets up, great, it, it can't hurt. But I've I seen, you see a lot of kind of wild takes about, you know, the crowd and, you know, that's why they teamed them. Nah. You, you've got to, got to go out and do your job and yeah. you know, the crowd can help certainly, but that doesn't feed into it for me. So I would like to have seen that intensity from Madrid replicated and at least the other two home games. Even one of the other two home games, yeah. even, you know, uh, Chris, sorry. I, I think one thing that we probably should mention though is we have had injury uh, issues, you know. Absolutely. All of the players haven't been injured at the same time, but you've had Jota, McGregor, Starfelt, you know, three first team key players. Yes, um, Vickers as well. Out of course, yeah. At different times, and we're not a squad. That's probably sorry to interrupt, but that's probably the four, four pillars. Probably, <laughs> yeah. You know, the four pillars of this team, and we're not a squad blessed with, you know, replacements that are, if not at the same, but close to their level, and I think that showed too. Um, so it's probably fair. I mean, because I'm thinking back, sitting here, some of the things I'm saying, and I'm. I do think I sound negative. I think it probably merits a bit of negativity, but there is context around it, and we've talked about looking back on that, you know. That's probably one thing. If you had a fully fit squad, Starfelt and Vickers is the partnership fit all the way through. McGregor in the middle, Key and Jota. I think we've seen, you know, some of the performances from the wide players across the the, the six games. He was the guy that had the quality, the spark. We've seen that with his goal last night. You know, we were talking about the delivery against Shakhtar and thinking, I wish we had Jota because he would, um, you know, his delivery is much, much better. So, you know, ifs, buts and maybes, but if all these guys were fully fit, it might have been a bit different. Um, so I, it's probably fair to mention that that hasn't helped. Yeah, I think <clears throat> this just plays into the, the drop-off in regards to our first 11 or our first 12 to the rest of the squad. And that's, I don't know how we kind of, well, we can talk about that, but I don't necessarily know how we kind of bridge that gap, that gap in regards to, is there someone who can come in and really challenge McGregor because he's just so much better than everyone else? But th this leads us into a question from Liam. Uh, Liam asks, hi, I wonder if I could get the panel's thoughts on Matt O'Reilly, please. I appreciate he's playing out of position, but I think he's been poor lately, particularly last night. 
seems to me always playing either backwards passes or slowing things down. And the rare time he did try a four pass, it was often speculative and misplaced. Cheers, Liam. Um, as he says, O'Reilly's been playing out of position. What's your thoughts, Alan? Um, I wish he'd went to some first because I've been. <laughs> I really liked O'Reilly in the six. I think he's been. I mean, last night is is a bit of an outlier. Um, it might have been Jake wise for Jake was poor yesterday. Um, yeah, I don't think he had a great game. I, th- I thought he was okay. I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say he stood out as particularly poor. I think there was other players that I could definitely. Um, you know, putting the stocks before Matt O'Reilly. Jesus, but, putting the stocks, no one has. Um, I mean, he obviously maybe pissing off the referee pre-match probably wasn't his best move, so <laughs> he could maybe learn there. Um, I, I, I like. I think O'Reilly's actually did a really good job in the six. I, I, I probably entirely honest. Take Kyle McGregor out of it because he is our best player, and whatever he wants to play, he'll play. I, I think if you offer me O'Reilly in the six or in the eight, not replacing McGregor. I think he's. I do think he's better in the six. I think he looks a more natural footballer in there. I think sometimes in the eight he can drift out of games a little bit and tires more quicker as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's that or maybe because he's sometimes the game doesn't come to him quickly enough, um, and he finds himself then just you know, waiting around. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think if you were to kind of put watch his games back to back and really focus on him, I think sometimes his impact when he's in the eight. It can be very, very good because he's a talented football player. But I feel like it, it looks like he enjoys it, which is obviously goes against what Samani learned for us recently that he prefers playing higher up. But <laughs> I think he looks more natural football in the six. Um, and I think he brings elements to the game that Callum McGregor doesn't as well defensively. Um, much more combative. Um, so maybe what did, a what... bit better reading the game. But, you know, he's, he's still very young and he's not played a lot of football and that showed. And I think games like last night, it definitely showed in what you missed from Cal McGregor last night was actually someone to lead because it did look a little bit like we were a, f- a couple of leaders short at times. It did, it did. Yeah. But no, I've been impressed by O'Reilly, so I've, I've maybe... Maybe differ. Yeah, just a wee bit, but, you know, different opinions and that. Um, I, I think... <laughs> I, I think... Just a, just a wee caveat there, just in case I've annoyed Liam. Sorry, mate. You might be right, I might be wrong. <laughs> I, I think what you see a lot with O'Reilly is... You've you touched on it, he's young. He's not played a huge amount of football, certainly not at this level. I think even coming to Celtic, he had to adapt to the intensity, and then that intensity added to the Champions League football has been a big jump for him. I think he's equipped himself well. The consistency of his performances maybe isn't there. I mean, from Leipzig, Leipzig at home I thought it was really good. I thought that was one of his best performances in the Celtic strip. You know, shaky 10 minutes to start, and then he just played his way into the game, thought it was very good. You've maybe not had that level of performances in the subsequent games from him. Um, but for me, he would be very far down the list of players who I would point the finger at in terms of how you know well, good, bad, or they've played or otherwise, you know. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm on the same page as Alan in terms of seeing him in the six longer term. One, because he doesn't want to play there, apparently because of that athletic article that I remembered. Um, and two... You know, I, I think he probably does offer some things defensively that McGregor does, but I don't know if he's as good um, in terms of of kind of building play from that yeah. deep line position and bringing that forward. And I think that's more important to our style at times. You know, although that would lend itself to away games in the Champions League, maybe being more defensively minded. I, th- I think that last point's key. The one thing: watch Cal McGregor. Watch how hard he works before he even gets the ball to get himself into a position to make the pass easy for a centre-half. 
he will sprint 10, 15, 20 yards so that he's in an area that makes his pass really easy for the centre half and he'll do it behind a player. Matt O'Reilly doesn't do that. He doesn't work as hard. It's not. It's just that he's not in tune yet to realise that when he's receiving a ball off a centre half, it's entirely different to receiving it off a midfield player. Yeah. You need to give him much more leeway. Um, and he, he doesn't do that running. You know, Cal McGregor will bust a gut literally just so that he can be slightly at more of an angle so it's an easier pass for the centre-half so that he can pick up and then he'll drive from there. Aurelio wants to receive the ball and a, a wee bit more comfortable then kind of step in with it and it's, it is very different. Cal McGregor is a unique football player. Um, does, it, does Aurelio go back into the... If, I, if we get a full complement of players, does it go back to McGregor, Aurelio, Hitati? I, I think... If we've learned anything over the last six weeks, it's that there is no competition for starting places outside yeah. of those three. Um, and Aaron Moy is slightly different because it depends on the game. But beyond that, he has used Abelgard sparingly as being polite. He's not used Edigucci in the slightest, although he has been back for a wee while now. James McCarthy is extremely limited minutes. So the only one that can give proper rotation is Aaron Moy. Turnbull, but even yeah, limited again. I mean, if you're going through them, Abelgard. I mean, I heard in commentary last night that was his eighth appearance for us. I wouldn't even have thought it was that many. <laughs> I know. And all of them, obviously, off the bench. He's an enigma, really. Who knows what's going to happen with him? I'd, a lot of people are saying, oh, he must be shy or he's this, that, the next thing. I, you, you just can't tell because he's not playing, but I think it's maybe speaks volumes. I mean, we talked about this last week, the manager was talking about the latter half, half of the season for them, but that might have been just him being nice or whatever. Yeah. But Abelgar's the one that's probably the most disappointing because of the, you know... Fanfare. The, and the fanfare, the, the perceived calibre of him coming in, and then he's really, really not made an impact. Moy, yeah, let, let's just say he's a level below those, those three that we talked about, and the other two that are around there, you know. See if you get rid of McCarthy, Edigucci... I might even put Tumble in in this to be honest you wouldn't care see the thing about <clears throat> those players you've got three starting quality players in Callum McGregor uh, Matt O'Reilly and Hatati, and they kind of don't have any competition if everyone's fit their three are going to play see the rest of them see if they're like I can't ever see I know this maybe this is harsh I can't ever see a position where David Turnbull becomes a first team starter for Celtic I think he can absolutely contribute, no, yeah, no question definitely. about it. But do we want people who are going to contribute or do we want people who are going to, are going to challenge? And I know that's difficult. I know that's difficult, but thoughts? I, I think the frustrating thing in terms of this is that, and we are maybe being, we are maybe being a little bit overly critical with David Turnbull, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think the reason we're doing that, oh, I say that as if I can only speak for me. You, no, I'm you guys saying, can, yeah. I think <laughs> the issue is, is that Turnbull and Moy are very, very similar in that, the way they play, they're not particularly mobile. Technically, I don't think anybody has any doubt with ability. Aaron Moy is certainly a lot more combative and can maybe offer a little bit more defensively. But they are very similar, so you wouldn't probably want to start Turnbull and Moy together. So what it then does is it means if you are trying to rotate, you're then the kind of limited. Whereas if you had, if you were to say Turnbull or Moy actually take one of them out and Abelgard is actually a much more realistic prospect someone that you can give minutes to that then means you've you've really got five for three positions Mm. as it stands it is kind of you've got you've got Moy who he has used a lot and has done really well domestically um, after a kind of 
slow start. Champions League has been a struggle. But then you get Turnbull as well, who he's been in and out of the team, yes, but I think Ange hoped that he would be moving to a more dynamic, energetic midfield that can offer a bit more off the ball. Turnbull and Moy are really similar, so he's kind of... It goes back to, I think we said it loads at the start of the season, because I was really... I thought Turnbull would have a really great start to the season. We go back to Callum McGregor, Rio Hattati, plus one. And yeah. the plus one is clearly <laughs> Matt O'Reilly. Um, so that that's a frustrating thing. You've mentioned at the start about, you know, guys, the, the squad and the drop-off from starting 11. It's quite clear, and you've got so many midfielders that are talented, but they're just not contributing to this team at this point. Turnbull, for me, is... Um, and you're right, it, it, there was... Signs at the start of the season that he was, he, you know, he was going to kick it on. Kick he came, it on, came on against Aberdeen and it was brilliant. It was really, really good. But the, the thing for me, though, is he was a young, really promising Scottish footballer. We paid a couple of million quid for him a year later than we wanted to, obviously. He's came in, he's, he's, he was really important to us at the start of last season. You know, when we were patching a team together, you had him and Rogic playing in an unfamiliar role. So I... It, I don't particularly want to write him off, but he just doesn't seem as if he's developing or kicking on the way that I thought or hoped he would. I've always, always had a wee doubt about him just because of how one-footed he is. I mean, it's see when it's so apparent, even when you're like turning in the ball and he's he'll go around in a circle using his right foot because he can't even knock it in with his left. It, it, it's so visible that I just think that's that's going to hinder you from the levels that you can go to. Certainly in the Champions League, I said that earlier um, in the season. But even domestically, you're thinking, you know, that right foot is capable of wonderful strikes. You know, I love his scoopy passes, you know. But fundamentally, he's not a better player, I don't think, than when he came in. Is that maybe a bit too harsh? I agree. I, but don't, I don't think he's developed the way we thought he would have. And that's that's disappointing and maybe I was a bit harsh earlier on when I, I lumped him in with some other of those midfielders that you would say that you wouldn't care if they moved on but you wouldn't be you know phoning up Radio Clyde and greeting <laughs> why would you do that ever well I'm, I'm talking about people that do uh, uh, he wants to hear about uh, oh his, his name's gone Gordon DL I listen to Radio Clyde quite a lot actually so I mean I don't phone yet <laughs> I, will. I can wait, never get through wait, 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 uh, wait, Can I speak to Big Derry Johnson please He's not been on this show in 10 years Get him on the fucking line yeah, I, I'm here um, But you know I think I think the point about Turnbull Is is, is relevant in that You know I, I And maybe this is You know I would throw Turnbull Into the Stephen Welsh camp Where I think that he'll Potentially leave Celtic And have a really really good career At a really really good standard And do really really well I just don't see him being A first team pick Consistently for Celtic, and if he's happy to sit on the bench, then okay. But I don't. I'm not sure. I want Some, guys who are happy. Someone's forgetting about the homegrown players requirement. Cool. He'll be sashaying into that squad next year, maybe, whatever. <laughs> yeah, comes in, throws his jacket. Um, we got another question um, from our good friend Paddy. Uh, he says, uh, "Hi guys, on the game last night, after six games in the Champions League and no wins, is it just simply luck that we haven't picked up a win, or are we simply too naive in terms of our tactics?" Are the goals we've lost been avoidable? If so, should Ange bear the responsibility of this? He also asked a question about Joe Hart, but we'll come to Joe Hart in a moment. Um, naive is a word that's been used. Um, Chris Sutton used it a number of times in commentary yesterday. Um, thanks for the question, Paddy. Um, are we naive? I mean, you can you can you can have the system right and you can have the players right, and you can still be naive. But there's a difference between that and 
having a na- naive outlook. What's your thoughts, Alan? Yeah, I, I think you can use, I think naive is always going to be seen as a, a negative. I think that the other way that you'd maybe try and flip it around is you would look at it and say that Ange and the team look at it, they accept the risk. That's maybe another way of saying it. They accept that good teams will be able to turn you over when you lose the ball. When I mean turn you over, I mean in terms of possession, not in terms of the 5-1 defeat that we <laughs> suffered last night directly. Um I think there is an acceptance of that risk that that is going to be an element that that comes with it. Whatever style of football you play, there will be that risk. Um, is it naive to sit with eleven men behind the ball and hope that a team doesn't have the quality on one particular night to score? Yes. Yeah. Is it naive to go to the Bernabeu and try and play them in their own game? Probably. <laughs> I am. I, I'm not. Is it naive that's not, or is it just a decision? Criticism. It's just a decision. It's a decision, but yeah. it's an acceptance of risk. But there is an element of. Ange could manage in the Champions League six years and I don't think he's going to decide after four years that, nah, do you know what? My whole career and everything I've built up to this point, I'm going to chuck out the window and I'm just going to try and sit. He's not going to do that. Another Celtic manager might, and we might go to a manager in three years' time. We might take three years of cuffings in this tournament and decide, and we might all be sitting here and going, by the way, I wouldn't mind seeing us go and play in Route 1. We might be sitting here in four years doing that, but that's just an eight. It's about accepting risk and it's a, it's a decision that you've taken you can call it naive if you want. People might think that that's you being negative and it's a kind of, it's a very loaded term. Yeah. But I do think that, I don't doubt that Ange Postecoglou will sit and go, if we play this way, there is a potential that players like Vinicius Jr. will look at it and say, I'll have a bit of that. I, I don't doubt that for a second. Um, Paddy asks about the goals. Are they avoidable? A couple of them were avoidable yesterday and a couple of them have been avoidable throughout the... <laughs> The, the, the tournament. <clears throat> However, though, Celtic, from when I've been watching them in Europe, always kind of concede avoidable goals. Oh, I. <laughs> so it's it's kind of hard to like Mark Neil's team used to um you know great one of the best defenses we we've seen and obviously they got to a European final but we still conceded ridiculously avoidable goals. Is that just par for the course, Chris, or is that you know what I mean? It's like I, I get the point about let's try and make them work for it. But Celtic just, it's fucking Celtic in Europe, isn't it? <laughs> what, what do you think, I mean, I have to ask, what do you think is the most avoid, what is the most Celtic Europe goal you can remember off the top of your head? Uh, Gary Caldwell's against Benfica. Yeah, I did. Big straight long ball. Misses the bounce. See the amount of times I've been playing amateur football and I've seen a ball coming and you think, I'm getting this. And as it gets closer and closer, you realise, I'm fucking under this, by the way. <laughs> and you don't have the, you're, you're too proud to make the decision to just forget it and try and run back. So you just kind of go, I can I can probably try and make a wee jump at it. I've never seen that Champions League level on Gary Caldwell. Is that, the, is that the one you were going to say? It probably would have been I. Were yourself avoidable? Oh, we've had some classics. Uh, maybe not always in the Champions League. Chaddery. Uh, <laughs> Big smile. St- Starfelts against AZ Altmar was an absolute classic as well. Um, oh, there's too many to choose. Maybe Come to a DVD near you soon. <laughs> Magnus Hedman, maybe. And oh, uh, Leon. And Leon. Maybe Bobo as well. And uh, there's, I mean, <sighs> Craig Gordon. Enter. Craig Gordon, um, every time he plays in Europe. This yeah. is a feature coming to you soon. I would imagine, <laughs> by the way, over the World Cup, you might have a top 10 Celtic in Europe. And I, conceded. I know it wasn't a goal. It wasn't a directly a goal, but... See them when the Jens gave away the penalty last night. I okay, just, let's talk about that. Yeah. I, I just had you doing that <laughs> voice in my head um, because oh, fucking hell, man. Talk us through your thoughts on it. 
Uh, it was really bad. It, it, it was. Oh, he's getting. He's getting quite just, emotional. <laughs> it was just idiotic, and I think on you know chatting with I think chatting with yourself, Alan. You know, for me, he's a guy who doesn't cut the mustard domestically. You know, he's not a guy who. He's not a standout yeah. at Scottish Premiership level and then he goes to Europe and it's difficult. Yeah. You talk, see, when you talk about Jens being good enough, you talk about Jens being good enough domestically and you don't definitively say yes. I don't go, he's good enough to play for us domestically. Whether that be first choice or certainly competing for a first choice position with Starfelt and Vickers. For me, there's, if there's question marks about that, they're then underlined four or five times when you see giving away a penalty like that. People will point to performances he's had this season in the Champions League that have been adequate, you know, and we got away with that. But I think that's generally what it is. We got away with that. (laughs) No, no, you're right. You're right. It's just this. People will go, he wasn't particular, you know, he wasn't bad against Real Madrid. But there's small things in that. Modric's goal, for me, against us at Celtic Park, when I look back at that, I said, if Starfield had been playing, I think he'd have blocked that. I think he'd have been more aggressive trying to get out to stop him getting the shot off. That didn't happen. He did it, that about three, four times yesterday, Starfelt. Yeah, I thought Starfelt was very good last night. He looked tired. Um, you know, but Jens... Oh, right, I, I, Here, here's I, a question. I'll, I'll shut up because I'm struggling to get the words right. Here's a question from Kevin, uh, Kevin McGoldrick. Uh, he asks, uh, Evening, with the rumour of a new centre-back coming... Uh, coming uh, with a rumour of a new centre back coming in. Do you think the club A will take the option up with Jens in the summer, and B should they? So should we essentially should we take up the option with Jens even if we sign because yeah we need a certain level of centre back, Alan. I think there would have to be a a fairly dramatic improvement to warrant um a permanent deal. Um, he, he's been good in certain games. The problem, I think, is that as a centre half, you you can't be as poor as he has in certain games. And I'm not talking just about European games because I think I'd be willing to. I think as, as Samani said, I put it perfectly last night. And I couldn't I put it any better. That see when you're not doing it domestically and you're making the same mistakes domestically that you are making at the highest level, that then indicates that it's not just. The level that's the problem. It's that, and I think we did. I say we did. Um, it was flagged up that when he came in, that his decision making was probably one of the weaker elements of his game. And you could really point off the top of your head to a number of decisions that, as a centre half, you just can't be making. You know, Tynecastle really poor. He, he gets the amount of times he gets turned in the middle of the park, and it doesn't really matter who it is, and he gives away the fill. You know. I remember it's, Shakhtar in Poland and Shakhtar where he comes out and he's got space all around him and he just flatly passes right to the central midfielder who was shocked he received the ball. He's got a lot of yeah. good elements in his game and he's got a lot of the physical requirements. He's, he's really, really quick. He can be really strong. His decision-making leaves a lot to be desired and unless that he really cut those out, then I, I don't know. In saying that, he is your third choice centre-half by quite some margin at the moment. Whether that's People are like that or not. Stephen Welsh cannot get a look in at the moment. Yeah. Um, and that's after all these mistakes. That's after giving away a hopeless penalty away at Tynecastle. He is your third choice centre half. So if that option is less than two and a half million pounds, I think it was maybe 2.3, I think. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know, but I don't think it'd be an inspiring sign. I don't think anybody at this point would be saying, Do you know what? 
but a young centre half, if he cuts them out, he might get a lot better. You know, you mature at a centre half, maybe 25, 26, so he's got plenty of time to go there. But I, 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 I would pass on him, to be honest, if, if, if yeah. it was up to me now. Um, <clears throat> Dale Sherry also asks a similar question. My question for the weekly is with the rumours of the arrival of y- Yugi Kobayashi in January, would you keep Jens until the end of the season or would you look to end the loan in January, Chris? I wouldn't do that. I mean, especially, I mean, we're talking about, is it Kobayashi? Did you say his name Kobayashi. is? Kobayashi. Don't know anything about him. The small things that I've read, the small kind of reviews I've read of him is he's uh, good in the ball, lacks experience and uh, sounds <laughs> a lot like Jens, actually. Jens is, yeah, I, I wouldn't end the loan. Early, certainly not, even if, if Kobayashi comes in for a couple of reasons. One, he's in and around the squad. Two, he's used to kind of how we play. It's domestic football only, despite what we're saying. I don't think he stands out. I think that you would be able to get through a large majority of games, you know, certainly games at home, where he's not going to be bothered that much that, you know, you'd be happy for Jens to play there. Long, you know, longer term, obviously, I would be the same as Alan. I wouldn't pick up the option, but when he send him home in January, that's a wee bit harsh, you know. Right, that's it. Come back, you know, winter break. You'll not be coming back after that, Moritz. Poor, uh, Dale, you're, you're, you're a lot crueler <laughs> than Chris O'Malley, it turns out. And, uh, yeah, I, I think centre-half, I, I think that's a key area that we want to kind of, you know, go out and recruit in. Whether or not it's it's Kobayashi, he's going to fit the bill, I, I, I don't know. But for me there... You said he's your third choice. Well, you said he's third choice centre half by quite some distance over Welsh, but he's your third choice centre half, and I think there's quite some distance in terms of his ability compared to Vickers and Starfelt. I think that's maybe a problem, and that's maybe where we. I mean, there's a lot of folk that talk about we want a ball playing centre half, you know, and ideally we would, you know. I think we miss what Ayer did in terms of bringing the ball forward, but I also think we just need somebody better defensively in there as a backup compared to uh, Vickers and Starfield. I think that's a good point. Um, the game itself uh, in regards to... Well, do you know, we've not talked about Jota's free kick because it was a moment of absolute joy. Alan, <laughs> did you? What? He, he, he did it. You know, Jota, after said it was one of the greatest moments of his life and all that, you're not very happy about that, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just... I was on one last night fucking complaining. Um, I did see when he was he was smiling and all that and jumping about after he scored. I said to Claire, I was like, that's a bit of a fucking ready. I know. I did clearly have to roll back on it. When I seen the <laughs> stuff today about his family was in, and I fucking love Jota and it was a spectacular goal. And I, I think it might be, uh, I just need to try and enjoy myself a bit more. Come on. But it, it was a great goal. It really, really was. And you know what? Uh, getting beat 5-0 is probably a ready. So scoring a goal to... You know, at least do something. Is I'm rowing back here, is what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> I know it's uh, don't back down, double down, but I'm uh, I'm backing down by quite some distance here because Jota's always. If it's a, if it's a debate over me versus Jota here, I'm not going to win it, and I'm smart enough to know that. So, <laughs> Jota's a, a guy who uh, I, I know. I, I knew what you meant, though. See, when he was celebrating, I was like, "It's five one, mate." Uh, and then see everything they said in the wee interview and the wee clap after it. See if he had caveated it with. But, you know, you can't be pleased to be a 5-1 defeat. You know, personally, it was a good moment for me and my, fa- my, my family were in the stand. But we could beat 5-1. That's, you know, that's fine. But he was just like, brilliant. <laughs> you know, you're like, come on, man, come on. Um, you know, Jot is a guy who, obviously, he was, he was out on loan from Benfica. And he, the loan uh, periods he had weren't very good. They didn't really work out for him. It comes to Celtic, he's rejuvenated. He obviously signs with us. 
I, I was thinking about I was thinking about the players that I, I felt a little bit disappointed in in this Champions League campaign, and um, I probably would have said Jota a couple of games ago, but again, I think this is the whole thing with context with all these players. You know, Jota's really only had consistency for what a full season. Stepping up to the Champions League, he scored two goals. He's had a number of assists, at even for just opportunities created. How would you rate his his, his Champions League campaign at a ten? I mean, I don't think anybody really gets like eight or above. You know, I would give Greg Taylor a seven, shall we say? Right, I think Greg consistency, yeah, consistent wise, has been our best player. I would probably give Jota, uh, I'll say six. I'm just, just pulling it out of my head. He doesn't want to pick a number. <laughs> he doesn't six. like this game. Six, so that Alan can go 6.2. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he has, I don't think he's he's shined in the way that we would have wanted him to. He's, but are we expecting too much just from the circumstances? I, I know. We have to, but there's part of it, if we want to do anything at Champions League level, we have to have higher expectations, especially if a guy like Jota, who costs £6 million Fair. and has showed quality. What we got from him in the Champions League, though, there was some moments of quality. Last night, goes without saying, fantastic. The ball he played through to um, Abada at home against Madrid Excellent. was phenomenal as well. You know, the, that's those moments of, so if a bad I finished that that's those game changing that's Ferenc Varos style stuff they probably wouldn't have changed the game but you know what I mean that's there was flashes of that we probably didn't get enough of it which is why you don't put him up there um, but yeah I I don't think he was that good I don't think many of our players were that good but for those moments alone I'll say six there you go six that'll do you six <laughs> Alan, if you were to give him a letter between A and F, <laughs> joking. Jota, what's your kind of thoughts on this? Those six games for him? Yeah, I, th- I think probably similar. That he's shown enough that he's he's a player that can make an impact at this level. Um, created quite a bit. There is a big onus on him, I think, from us to be a really big star player. Mm. Um, so no, I think there's plenty there. He's, he's a he's a player that if you were picking your Champions League team for next year and you can keep six or seven players from this squad he 100% makes the cut um, yeah. I think that's the that's I know that's probably a very backhanded compliment but he's not a player that you would worry about he's in the right track he is a player that can make an impact at this level I don't think you could say that necessarily for all the starters mm. last night <clears throat> he just maybe needs a bit of help yeah, uh, uh, yeah. We, we talk about a lot of the system so I think the system doesn't need one player to be a standout. He needs other players around him to lift a level so that if they have an off night, they can. Too many of the, the Champions League games, I think there's been too many below the kind of required yeah. standard, which has meant that we haven't been able to get over the line against teams that we think we can. Uh, here's a question from Martin that's quite interesting. Um, firstly, uh, does the panel think that Kyogo's dip in form has anything to do with Jota's injury? I feel Kyogo always links up best with Jota, and my only real disappointment from yesterday was that we didn't see them on the park together. Um, do you think there's a potential link with that? I've never made that correlation. Um, maybe need to think about it. Don't know if you've got any thoughts, but I mean, I suppose you could make make the the basic argument that Jota's a very creative player. Kyogo's movement is the best part of his game, and you know they're obviously going to work better when they're apart together, but. I've never 
I've never linked them together in that way, to be honest. No, I'd, I'd probably the same. I, it's not a, it's not a Tom Roderick James Forrest combo that you know, they they come as a package kind of thing. Um, but Kyogo's dip in form, I think, is largely down to Kyogo in my opinion. So I, it's not to say that having a, a player of Jota's quality certainly wouldn't impact. But Kyogo's drop in form is it is difficult to put your finger on, and I don't want to overplay it because I do feel that it becomes almost this. Self-fulfilling prophecy thing, yeah. Yeah, and the more you say it, the more people believe it, but he hasn't played as well as he has, and he definitely is struggling a little bit with... And Normally, I'm not really one that buys into it too much. I don't know how strikers' minds operate, but it it does look like confidence. Um, I know that's difficult in an age where you want to quantify everything, but he really doesn't look like he has the same belief in himself. Yeah. He's always been he's always been a volume striker and that he needs a lot of chances to score. He was that last year, mm. but you do now feel that it he really is struggling to you know, three chances yielding a single goal was the kind of the rule of thumb we had last year. Whereas I think this year you'd really be um, you know you'd be you'd be looking to create four or five chances from a, you know stick one away and hopefully he's at the the bottom of that at the moment and he'll come back up and he will get stronger and he'll kind of revert to the mean but. It has been a tough, you know, time for him, and particularly the Champions League games. He really has struggled to make that adjustment. I think one thing you can say about Kyogo is you could easily come away and say that he's not good enough for this level, but I think his dip in form has been across the board domestically as well. So I, I think you've got a Kyogo going in low in confidence, low in form into the Champions League, and that's shown itself. That doesn't mean to say that I, I'm saying that he's not good enough for this level. You know, you get the Kyogo that we've seen at spots last season in the Champions League, I think he could score big goals for us. So, as much as I, I, th- I think his performances there weren't good enough, I'm not ruling out the possibility that he's going to be good enough next season. You know, mm-hmm. There's other players like that. Juranovic as well really deserves the criticism for some of his performances. But that's... I, I think he's playing really poorly, but I've seen him play at a level far in excess of that. And it's theoretically possible if he's at the club, although he might be one of the guys that you think that we would maybe cash in on if possible. I think that the potential is for Juranovic to be a Champions League level right back for us. He's just not shown that. And that's I think that's this is the problem. I think a lot of the form the player some of our players have shown, they didn't show in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Some of them that you can go, you're no cut out for this level. There's others that you think you, you need just to need to step up. Aye, yeah. I think that that's something that see when you're critical of players and without having a hypothetical argument in my head with myself, you can be really critical of players, but also still think that you you want them to be there. You can be really critical of a player and still think, Do you know what? I, I, I still like that player. I still believe in that player. And I think there's a lot like that in this team that you look at and you say that that's really not good enough. And you can be really critical and you might even get annoyed and say, I fucking hopeless, you know, mm. things like that. Yeah. But then actually the alternative is that you get rid of them and you don't know what you have, you don't know what you've got coming in. There's a lot of players in this team that I think are really underperformed. There's players that are performing probably just about right. JJ is absolutely the one that I look at. I think we, at the start of the Champions League campaign, you asked us two players that you think, if Celtic are to do well in the Champions League, the two players need to play well. And I picked Hatati and Juranovic. Hatati, I think, 
has really done well. I think he's really competed. And I think of all the players that you look at and you think have learned from this campaign, he is the one that mm. looks, looks like he's learned. I agree. And he's, he's so brave picking up the ball. And sometimes that makes him look a wee bit, sometimes foolish even, because, you know, he gives the ball away. But he's the one player in the team that will always want the ball, always does the right things. Janovic in the other case, you've seen it. You've seen that he can compete. You've seen that he can be a really, really comfortable fullback. But he's just... I think he is the one standout that's kind of underperformed. And and he's done it in, in moments in games. I thought Leipzig at home, sometimes the way he stepped in with the ball, you looked and thought, right, that's it. But it's the consistency. Mm. And for for his level of ability, if you're on a part, I think you'd be looking at him thinking, I need guys like that to be better. Because yeah. if he's better, it can really, it changes what we can do. And I, I just feel like he, he hasn't. And he's really been, he's been caught out quite a few times. And yeah. it's, it's difficult and it's been a really, really, I would say it's been a kind of rough campaign for, for Juranovic. Yeah. Summed up last night, um, one point in the second half where he took the ball from Hart. Oh yeah, yeah. Turned it around his back, calmly went away from the defender and you went, oh, that was really good. I think, get I think Rob McLean said, aye, that was really good. Then he just, his touch just overplayed it and he started doing that, trying to catch up with it, lost possession, turned it over, really dangerous opportunity. You know, he's a player who, is, you know, technically you've seen his technical ability, what he's capable of, but he's been so far below that this season that people are saying, I don't see the difference between him and Ralston, you I know. I disagree with that. I do, I disagree with it as well, but seeing certain games, if you brought Ralston in, compared to Juranovic, like domestically I'm talking here, you would go, you know, it doesn't really matter that they would play. For me, though, that's the problem. You're then starting to pick about, you know, get Juranovic's this, that, or the next thing. We'll bring in Ralston because you're not. There's not much between them. There is. There's a huge amount between them. But when he's playing that poorly, um, people are making that decision, and that I don't think it's a rational thought. But he is that far below his level that certainly in in you know if, for instance, in you know against Livingston or on Saturday against Dundee United. You wouldn't be caring between Ralston and Juranovic, and that's a problem. Yeah, um, we did a, a reaction podcast straight after the game yesterday where we went into detail with uh, every kind of action of the game. So that's available if you subscribe to thecynic.co. You can check it out on thecynic.co. Just type in the website and all the details are there. Uh, podcasts every single day. Um, the reaction, uh, as I say, drops usually an hour after the game. Uh, we do it for all games as well. Um, the penalty. Obviously, the two penalties that we conceded, um, I don't think there's any point. You know, everyone's seen them. You don't, you know, I'm sure there's lots of different opinions, VAR and all that. But just the award of our penalty, um, when we received that penalty and you saw Juranovic standing over the ball, what was your percentage of confidence? He's dying to get numbers at you, <laughs> No, no, like, like when you saw, uh, personally, when I saw him, I, I turned to Claire and I was just like, oh, I, I didn't say we were going to miss. I just like, I have, I don't have a lot of confidence in this. I just, I just thought. Delicious just my ass. Fuck up. Um, we, we miss a lot of penalties. Anyway, yeah. So it reminded me a wee bit of Sinclair and um, the Camp New or New Camp. It was Dembele, was it not? It was Dembele. I, I Sinclair got tripped up for it, didn't Oh, he? yeah, sorry, yeah. And yeah. then Dembele missed I, the penalty. Dembele missed the penalty, sorry. Yeah, it reminded me a, a, a bit of that. You know, it was like, well, here's an opportunity. We're away at a top Spanish club, you know. Let's get on the, the board. And we just totally fluffed our lines. Before he ran up, you know, you're thinking, oh, he's, 
he's been the own, the best, most consistent penalty taker we've had not for a while. Not missed one for us. No? Not missed one. Um, but I had no confidence in him, and he looked like a guy that had the weight in the world of his shoulders running up to it. Um, which That's a terrible penalty. In the overall scheme of things, as well, is a penalty that didn't really matter. And he, 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 I think at the last minute he just decided to blast it, and uh, yeah, it just wasn't very good. Oh. Yeah, it's, I think the, the slight issue I have with Dranovic is a penalty taken. It's not, because obviously I'm uh, miserable. Um, and <laughs> you, I think, you are, you've taken over his mantle today of the being the commercial. I remember when he scored the one at the Penenka. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, it is, you know, it's an outrageous talent. I could never imagine having the confidence to do that. But he did do it. The one issue, I, I see you be honest, in a penalty taker, I don't know what I really like. I like a penalty taker that <laughs> scores them. <laughs> a scores them. But see the consistency that comes with knowing what you're going to do. Yeah, I think that's a huge yeah, thing. Yeah. And I hate to, you know, I'm going back God knows how long and I'm probably picking out one of the greatest penalty takers ever. But Alan Shearer, the goal, you oh. could have told the goalkeeper where he was going to put it. That, And I feel like it's not a team that's necessarily blessed with penalty takers. A lot of great footballers. For whatever reason, we don't really have a great penalty taker. It, it reminds me a lot, to be honest, of that kind of 2003 era when we had a lot of great players, but we never had great so penalty Sutton takers. eventually took over and yeah, did scored but, a lot of penalties. But we had Larson, who was your kind of natural penalty taker. Wasn't very good at them. Um, and this team, I think, Cal Max tried it a few times. He's not... You don't really... It was one of those ones last night. There was no debate over anybody fighting over the ball last night because <laughs> don't really anybody wanted to take it. Look, Courtois is, is a great goalkeeper, but you make it easy for him by just smashing it at that height. Um, it was disappointing. The one thing Abad is to win that penalty, genuinely, when Abad picked up the ball, he was having an absolute stinker and I just thought he's going to just run right into this guy here. He's I'd, In my head, I genuinely thought he was going to do what he did against Leipzig, run at the defender, go down and go off because it was that kind of night. And I had written it off, and then next thing, you know, beautiful left touch. It was a, genuinely, it was outstanding. Yeah. Um, to to win the penalty. Um, but you know, a bit of a waste in the end. That is disappointing. It's just one of those things. I, I'm not going to get too uptight about not having a penalty taken at this moment because we don't really get a lot of them. Um, and we do create a lot of chances, so it's just one of those wee quirks, to be honest. It's the technique that you use. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is a, a bit of a downbeat lesson. I love the Celtic, by the way. Aye, me too. Aye, aye, aye. aye. on the hoops. No, <laughs> I've not said I love a Celtic yet. <laughs> it's quite apparent you don't. Mm. Um, I cannot like it. It's a bit of a kind of. That's <laughs> what it is. Out of respect, they should have rolled it wide so that we didn't fucking annoy them last night. Hey, by the way, just wait till next week when we will be talking about having scudded Motherwell and then the United you know, will be jumping. I'd have liked seats. it if he, with a penalty, he rattled it off his face. <laughs> This might made me feel better. Well, every other strike or that we had was rattled at his face. He so picked up the ball and rattled it off Modric's face, perhaps. He's an international teammate. He's got a thing about Modric. I, know. I really don't like Modric. He's a great player, but that's why he annoys just, me. It's uh, because it's so effortless and uh, everybody talks. I hate it when players come to Celtic Park and fans fawn over him. I, I don't still. That's what it is. That's what it was. He's got a future as a therapist, by the way. Really, really good. I, I really don't like that either, to be fair. Um, uh, we got a question. Uh, there's a couple of questions. This question uh, from Jambo Roy. Um, hi, troops. After last night, the latest in a growing line, is it time to speed up the search for our next goalkeeper? Despite proving most people wrong last year, myself included, it's proving to be a bit of a problem at this level. But a couple of questions. We, we've had a number of people um, messaging about uh, the goalkeeper, about Joe Hart. Um, 
This is like uh, that episode of Father Ted where he picks up the golden cleric and now <laughs> onto the lions. <laughs> We're just going to decimate everybody. No, no, like, um, no, I, th- I think that the, the point that Jamboroy makes about, you know, him yeah, proving yeah, everyone yeah. wrong last season, absolutely. Um, but he is a bit older and, you know, for the for the penalty award, he does kind of come and then he kind of retreats. I thought his decision making yesterday was a little bit off. Um, yeah. I think he's a good goalkeeper. He's the best goalkeeper at the club. There's no question about it. He's the number one. But, do you think after this campaign, I don't think he's been horrendous or anything. I don't think he's been, you know, he's cost us too much. But would you look, I'll start with self Alan, would you be putting goalkeeper maybe higher on the priority list or is it just where it was? What what what, what would you take from a, what would you look at from a goalkeeping perspective looking going into, let's say we qualify for the Champions League next season. Would you be willing to get a new keeper? Yes, I think you would. And that's not, I think Joe Hart's Joe Hart's been exceptional for us, but you are looking at it as an area that you can improve. And I think you've been polite as well. And he, yeah. he's, he's had a rough tournament. He really has. I mean, he's shy, eh? <laughs> well, he's you know, I think the one thing you have him in the team for is shot stopping because he is a really good goalkeeper. He's a vast improvement on what we had before. And bringing in Joe Hart after Vasilis Barkas was like just the upgrade, the levels was ridiculous. And he's, he's been great and he's been great for the team. He's been really important. And he's, domestically, he's so comfortable for us and he, you don't have that indecision. Champions League, he's really struggled. Um, Shakhtar away, I think the goal was disappointing. You'll be really disappointed at that. Leipzig away, could not have picked a worse time to make that error that was going to happen. It will happen to whatever goalkeeper we have in goals at some point. And I think last night, I think overall, he was really, really poor. Um, so I had... It's, it's, it's not personal. I really like Joe Hart, but if you want to compete Champions League level next year and play this style of football, I think that's an area that you would be certainly in the market for. Whether you're actually able to pull off that move, because it's hard trying to sign left-footed ball-playing centre-halves, which is the thing that everyone wants. Mm. Go and try and get a ball-playing goalkeeper, by the way, and let me know how you got on. You could send a scout out for two and a half years scouting the globe and you might not find one. Or if you do... He'll get signed the day before by a slightly larger club. That is the nature of it. It's such a hard yeah. position to recruit for. And I suppose that's, I mean, first things first, Hart last season was massive for us in terms of his experience, you know, influence on the side, a guy who had been there and done it, you know, winning the EPL, playing in the Champions League with Man City. Coming from Barkas, you know, it, it was like moving from getting the mega bus to business class and I don't know, I can't think of any other way. Emirates, there you go. Imagine that's pretty fancy. It was a huge upgrade. Saved it there with the, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to phone Glasgow Live there, trade unionist in the Emirates business class. I can confirm I've never been on Emirates business class, but uh, that was a kind of convoluted way of saying that the upgrade in Barcast was absolutely massive. Yeah. However, we n- we've always known that Hearts got limitations and I think they've became more apparent this season. Now, he has made some key key mistakes in the Champions League, but he's not alone in terms of his performances there. However, unlike the likes of Kyogo or Juranovic or some other players, it's easier to say that you perhaps don't want him in the Champions League next season. But we do have that problem that you just touched on. Ideally, what do we want? Do we we want a ball-playing goalkeeper who... 
can also save things. But and th- this comes sorry, they're a real premium. But this comes back to your point about you know you want a goalkeeper, you want a defender who a ball playing centre half. Well, I want someone who can fundamentally defend first. Yeah. I want a goalkeeper who's going to shot stop shots. I think. <laughs> But, but you know, like I, I could just see your brain working there, trying to spit that out. Spot, there. You did stop, well. spot shots. Um, <laughs> it's totally and utterly. Because I'm, the, I'm thing, the thing that he's the thing that he's been lauded up for, even last season, you know, his his ability to kind of you know stop shots, close down space, and all that. He's not been doing it this season. Now he has had some big moments. There has yeah. been times this season. Huge moment last night in the game. Made a great save. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time. You know, goalkeepers, it's always unfair to kind of, you know, not unfair, but it seems unfair when you pick on them because they are the guy in the goal, right? But we, whenever we've had a really successful European campaign, it always feels like it's been based on the performance of a goalkeeper, your Boric's, your Foster's. I, I don't quite feel that we're going to get that from an ageing Joe Hart. No. I, and I think that's only fair. I mean, if we're without moving on to talk about who would come next, you know, the point... I've made and I'll continue to make is first and foremost your goalkeeper needs to make saves big saves for you and your centre halves need to be able to defend that's 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 the first thing for me then there's a playoff between their footballing ability and, and their you know the, the fundamentals if you will a lot of people I mean I've, I've said it myself ideally in this team you would love a ball playing keeper and a ball playing centre half especially one that can bring the ball forward you know break lines in the way that we've talked about you know, what Ayer did for us previously. But the the payoff can't be somebody that can play football to that level but then can't do the basics. And that's the difficulty we've got in terms of the market that we then we then go into. So but notwithstanding that, right, see even if you go out and get somebody who's a good shot stopper, you know, got competent enough football and ability to bring the ball out, you might want to go and get that goalkeeper to play to replace Joe Hart just now just because he's getting older, you know, he's a guy that you know is past his peak, you know, you know what he's capable of and you're maybe starting to think that's not enough. So I don't think we're going to go out and get somebody like Ederson or Allison. Obviously that's not going to be the case, but there could be an option out there who's better all round than Joe Hart and that's something that we might look at. Absolutely. Um we're going to move on to quickly look at Dundee United, but there's a message from uh, from Ross Bain, uh, and this we'll finish on this point. Uh, morning, cynics. After a hammering in Madrid, our European adventure comes to an end, but I feel there have been so many positives this season to take. We have competed very well in all of our games and have been punished due to poor finishing and inexperience at the top level. We have a very good chance of achieving group stage Champions League football next season. However, we can only reflect positively on this season's campaign if the lessons are learned and we improve next season. I don't want to see another plucky effort that ultimately results in zero wins again. We need to take this season's lessons and get points from it. Full focus domestically for the remainder of the season and Ange Treble would be special. All the best, Ross Bain. Good, excellent, positive. Um, lots of we had lots of questions. Sorry, we, we had to bring in external positivity. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my takeaway there. He is spot on, though. None of this means anything. The positives don't mean anything unless we, it, it's used to build on next season. Um, and that, that's exactly it. Talking about Ange as well, you know, you, you said it earlier on. In four years' time, Ange could still be the Celtic manager and he's not going to change the, his way of playing. And he could deliver treble after treble and that would be enough for the board and the fans. But see, in terms of his standing in the game and his potential ambition and yeah. moving on, these are the, this is the stage he needs to, he needs to kind of perform on. Um, otherwise, he's just another on a long line of guys who's able to kind of stamp his style, you know, on Scottish football. That's not enough for the next level. You know. Absolutely. Um, 
We've had lots of uh, questions and comments. Uh, f- thank you for everyone. We've not been able to get to everybody, but um, hopefully we'll be able to uh, maybe touch on them next week because some of them were, were really good. Uh, Celtic take on Dundee United. 3pm uh, kickoff on a Saturday. Delicious. Uh, how are you feeling about it? So, um, Alan, we'll start with yourself. Well, the three of us will be going to it um, and looking forward to, yeah, Celtic Park, 3pm. Yeah, I think there's always... It's nice when you have a European game Say you're at Celtic Park on Saturday, the old kind of tradition, if you like, of if Celtic were going to Madrid on the Tuesday or whatever it is, any game, there's always that kind of try and send them off. When they get a bad result, though, I, I, sometimes in my head, and I don't know if it's a shared thing, you sometimes have that. It's almost like throw the big blanket over them, come back and hopefully slap Dundee United about. I think that would make everybody feel... I mean, it'd make me feel better. Absolutely <laughs> no doubt with that. And I'm hoping that's the case. I do... Despite the, you know, clearly, obviously we're a wee bit downbeat after the result. You'll not shake the belief that playing against better players and exposing yourself to a higher standard of football improves you as a player. Mm. Um, it's only six games, but you learn so much from it. And I think they, they'll improve and I think you can see the improvement in a lot of players. And I think it, it sometimes comes into focus quite quickly after these games. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be... Hopefully it's it's a good a good game for us. I think Dundee United are that sketchy form, and they've, I think we no one uh, no one in four. Yeah, being polite with sketchy, <laughs> lost um, the last three games. <laughs> so I think it could be a good opportunity for us. And you now have a, a kind of countdown until a mini break, if you like. Obviously, the World Cup, but we've got um, our engagements over in Australia. It's nice to have a target to work down to. And I think, you know, you've got four games left. That's what you've got to do. And make sure you see it out and keep really keep your position at the top of the league. And if possible, maybe even with a bit of luck, you might even extend it. And I think that would improve. You come back refreshed, January transfer window. You know, it then kind of starts to roll on. And January to May is the quickest part of the season. And it mm. absolutely flies. So not looking forward to it. And it starts on Saturday. I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll come back and get a good one. You get a lot of rest in the players at the weekend. And we might even see where defensive centre-half duo back together again, which oh. would be very welcome. So I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great. Get a long couple of beers, probably. Not in the stadium, of course. Unfortunately. You were at the NFL this weekend? No. Um, Chris, how are you looking forward to it? Um, I, I like playing Dundee United. They, you know, they're not in good form. They're not the team that they were. Um, but they're a big club. They're a big name. So, you know, if you do beat them, it feels bigger than their form suggests. That's a bit of a weird thing I've just said, but in terms, I, I, I do enjoy playing them. Home, Celtic Park, you know, get over that kind of European hangover. You know, we're fickle as Celtic fans. We'll go back to being the best team in the world if we put four or five past under United Correct. at the weekend. It is the absolute tonic that you need to deal with uh, the reality of where we are in, 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 in European football. So, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm quite confident. It'd be good to see the first choice centre-half pairing, as we said, back uh, back in the fold. And uh, one other thing I've got to say is you referred to us going to Australia, our engagements uh, you know, in Australia. I, I looked at it. Yeah, it did, did I? It did. I was, going to, I was going to bring that up and I thought, well, let's see if some Annie Wilton you have. I have. I have. I'm fucking professional, that's <laughs> what it is. Engagements. A couple of friendlies. Uh, well, I, I couldn't remember. Sorry, I don't remember which Diddy teams it is we're playing when we're over there, so. Melbourne... Melchester Rovers and Ever- exactly Evertonia or something. Exactly. Like oh, I've playing Everton. Aye. <laughs> yeah. Diddy teams, as I said. Um, engagement. 
<laughs> what he's doing during the World Cup, lads, we have prior engagements. <laughs> what are you doing Saturday? I have a prior engagement. I'm going to Celtic Park. Um, first VR in the league at Celtic Park as well. Oh, so it is. So it is, oh, yeah. um, So you'll have the, at least you'll know what's going on as opposed to at Livingston last weekend when we were just stood about fucking waiting to see you. And then <laughs> the stadium announcer actually at Livingston, it was like he had golf balls in his mouth. So when he went to say there is a, a penalty check going on, he couldn't spit it out. So that's probably the highlight of the game, to be honest. Uh, they took Tony nothing, w- nothing, just moving straight on. <laughs> no, fucking nothing. Useless. Well, what do you want me to say? Oh, that's a good story. That's interesting that there's VR in Celtic Park. You should have went, ew. That he couldn't say the, the words out of his mouth. Maybe I. <laughs> but um, just on VAR, Tony Watt obviously gets sent off yesterday. Uh, they went to VAR, they sent him off, and then they've appealed it, and now he's free. So it kind of makes the whole mm. VAR thing completely pointless. Aye, um, good segue, good segue. <laughs> Tony Watt, of course, plays for uh, Dundee United. <laughs> so our, our opponents this weekend. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. What was that? I don't know. Um, well, we can see what we like now because everybody's switched off. Yeah, so that's um, I spoke to uh, Paul McNichol, who hosts the Dode Fox podcast. He was very complimentary of Celtic and Ange Postacoglu. He thinks that it's going to be a tough night for um, for Dundee United. We we're talking about expectations of, of what they have. It was a really interesting uh, chat and stuff. So uh, we'll have a, f- uh, a preview podcast we'll be dropping at midday on Friday uh, and we'll look at the, the, the game at the weekend and then we'll have uh, the lunch club dropping at 7 o'clock tomorrow evening where we'll go over what Anne said in the press conference and give our thoughts on team selection, etc. So that's on the cynic.co. Check it out. Um... Shall we finish with the lineup quiz? You up for a bit of lineup quiz fun? Yes. Well, you've mentioned it. So I'm absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much up for it. Okay. <laughs> Especially because I spied your notes right at the start of it. So. Okay. So oh, wait a minute. I didn't know. Oh, I didn't. They were face down. They were face down. All right. Okay. So this is from the um, January 2013. Oh, must either. Oh. 2013 so it's that Neil Lennon team Alan myself and Alan were part of a podcast The Cynic Chronicles where we looked at the uh, Spartak Moscow last 16 game uh, and beyond so you actually should be a lot sharper with some of the names uh, the game finished two goals to one for Celtic Victor Wanyama Gary Hooper and uh, John Rankin scored as well Gary Hooper and Uh, Wanyama are my first two answers for fuck's sake (laughs) Diddy Brilliant. <laughs> got a question about a canal? <laughs> Guy's job as well. Guy's what, job got a question well. about the Suez Canal? You always, you always see that and pointless, don't you? I'm saying, reading out the answer as it goes. Oh, who who got booked, actually? Who <laughs> booked, <actually>? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can see you trying to look at these fucking answers. Absolutely, I'm a cheating bastard, mate. Right, okay, 100%. okay, right, okay. So, when you're in Hooper, both I'm them. Dying to win this quiz. What was the game? Celtic 2, Dundee United 1 from. January, January 2013. 2013. I think Hooper and Wanyama scored that. Right, fuck Hooper. Right, okay, so Wanyama and Hooper, fucking, I made an answer that. Right, okay, Wanyama and Hooper are done. Right, okay, so we'll start with Alan. Name a player from the Celtic squad, so they could be uh, on the bench as well. Scott Brown. Scott Brown, correct. Anthony Stokes. Anthony Stokes, correct. Stefan Johansson. No. It's much later. That was much later. It's yeah. much later. Much later. Much later. Alan's lost that. Pressure's got to be already. Fraser Forster. Fraser Forster. Correct. Mm. I mean, we did a feature literally <laughs> on Friday and we. <laughs> don't know what you want me to say, mate. Beram Kayal. Beram Kayal. It's quite far down that list you're looking, mate. <laughs> oh, 
Oh no. <laughs> There's uh we'll give you another guess. Okay. Why? But, Why? Okay, you win. <laughs> no, you have to name one player to win. Kelvin Wilson. Kelvin Wilson. Correct. Samani wins. Oh, that was quick. Yeah. Isagiri on there. Isagiri. Okay, well, yeah, keep going. Isagiri <laughs> is on there, yes. No, Samani, you've won, but just for... Uh, <sighs> oh, Jesus Christ. Man, sure. man of the hour, F.A. Ambrose. Here now. F.A. Ambrose is not there. Jesus Christ, Right, I'll just name the team. I'm going to fucking guess Ramon Vega in a minute. Foster, Matthews, Ronya, Mulgrew, Izagiri, Brown, Wanyama, Ledley, Samaras, Stokes, Hooper. On the bench was Zaluska, Kelvin Wilson, Chad Uri, Chris Commons, uh, Keyson Young, uh, Paddy McCourt, and uh, Keatings. James Keatings. Oh, right. uh, Young Robinson striker number... F- was he number 49 before Forrest? He was 28. Right. Fuck it, I'm having an absolute yeah, stinker, man. The Somebody dropped me home after this. I don't think I should drive. Chris Armani, you win that round, so good stuff. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll take it and run. My consolation. Um, this has been fantastic. Uh, we have podcasts every day on the cynic.co. There's a pre- as I say, there's a preview dropping tomorrow. There'll be a reaction to the, the game straight after as well, which will be live from uh, the 13th note in uh, Glasgow City Centre. Uh, so check out for that. Myself, Barry Gallagher and Chris Bowd. And then we've got a good, great feature. Good, great feature on Sunday as well. But there's podcasts every day. Check out the cynic.co. Alan Edgar has been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. It's been, what is it everyone always says? It's cathartic. Cathartic. And that, yeah, yeah, it's not really been cathartic, but I'll say it. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, Chris Armani, pleasure. Top man, buzzing. Love it. Uh, from Alan Edgar, from Chris Armani, and from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been the Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.